Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday, June the 22nd, 2022. We made it halfway through the year. Is that what it is? Are we halfway through the year? Is that, is that technically what it is? I always, I always look at, like, June 21st, like, oh, okay, it's the longest day of the year. It must be halfway through the year. I think that, that like, mathematically it's not, though. Regardless, yesterday was the longest day of the year, <laughs> scientifically, and uh, we made it through that, and here we are. And I don't know, I don't know what kind of weather you're seeing uh, down there in Tucson right now, but here it is. We had some crazy weather, and I had to, you know, tell you know some people you're welcome. Yesterday, I got my car washed yesterday, and then uh, <laughs> it rained. And we got some kind of crazy microburst. It's raining here, so uh, I don't know. But hey, regardless, I hope you're enjoying your uh, your Wednesday morning so far. It is seven oh four. On your Tucson Wednesday, and we're live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And uh, we've got two hours of sports talk for you today, going all the way up until 9 AM, like we usually do. My apologize, uh, apologies for uh, for missing you yesterday. Just again with the with the throat problems, just uh, trying to kind of work my way through this thing, and trying all kinds of different allergy medicines that aren't working, and so. <laughs> We're trying. We're gonna do do the best that we can. I should. I, sh- I. I'm feeling great today, and I think we should be good for the for the you know for the rest of the week. So that's good news. Um, we have quite a bit to talk about today. We'll talk a lot of NFL today. Uh, there's just a lot of NFL to discuss specifically because of the retirement announcement of one Rob Gronkowski, former Arizona Wildcat, bear down, of course, and you know his legacy that he is going to be leaving behind in the NFL, on the world of football, on the world of sports, for that matter. Um, and, of course, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, left it open <laughs> that he could return. And, I mean, to be honest with you, look, Gronk is a bright individual. I know he seems like a big, dumb animal, but he is one of the one of the brighter guys that I've come across and that, uh, the, you, know, I've, that he, you know, certainly a lot smarter than he gets credit for. He is a good time party guy, no doubt. Has been that way his entire life. He's just he's just that kind of guy. He reminds me, you know my, you know my family with my biological father and his brothers. Uh, they all played football. They're all big, you know, big, you know, rumble tumble. You know, my my grandparents were you know were big people. You know, my grandfather is like six five. My grandmother played basketball. She's six feet tall. So the, you know the entire family is just huge. You know, and the boys would get to roughhousing and. You know, it was it was one of those things, work hard, play hard. You know, everything is just, you know, kind of magnified. And that's the way the Gronkowski family, they, they remind me of my family a lot. And there's very eclectic personalities within. Um, and, and Rob is certainly one of them. And, you know, he doesn't get a, he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for the, uh, you know, the, the acumen between the ears that he does have. You know, he's, you know, he's written a book on, on financial stability and, uh, you know, he's never spent a game check in his life. All of those have gone into investments and savings and all kinds of other things and, you know, just basically lived off of endorsements and anything else, uh, you know, as far as, like, the EA Sports check that you get at the beginning of the year every year, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's what he'd live off of. I remember when I saw Rob last, he was 
just he was just driving like a he was driving like a three year old Ford F one fifty. Like like okay. <laughs> just you know. Normally, you know, when you go to the when you go to the you know the, the training facility or or the uh, the stadium, and you see the players, you go to the player lot and stuff, and there's Lambos and Raris and there's huge, just decked out SUVs, and then every once in a while you see like the, the kicker's truck or something you know, like the family you know minivan or whatever, and Rob was just driving around in an F one fifty at the time. Um, you know, he's, he's lived you know kind of that way and has been smart with his money. And uh, smart with a lot of things in his career. And I think that this may also be a situation where he's retiring so that he doesn't have to go through training camp. <laughs> and I, I mean, why would you? Jeez, training camp sucks. So, yeah, if, if Tampa's a contender, and I think they will be, midway through the season, you know, come late October, and he stays in shape, and he's, you know, willing to come back and wanting to come back and help the team go for another Super Bowl run and help Tommy get another ring, I'm sure that Tommy would be able to coerce Gronk into coming back for one more run in the sun down there in Tampa, try to get uh, another Super Bowl ring, try to get him his fifth ring for for Rob, uh, and really cement himself as the greatest of all time, which is definitely what we're going to be talking about today. Is Rob Gronkowski the greatest tight end of all time? I have had a lot of conversations with people about this over the years, starting all the way back in about 2014, 2015, you know, four or five years in his career when it was, when it was obvious that he was different. Like he was, he's built different. He's wired differently. The way he competes on the field was just different. And, you know, he was, he was different than modern era tight ends, but he reminded me a lot of some of the guys that played in the sixties and the seventies. You know, it reminded me, of Ditka, of course, who was a phenomenal tight end, still holds the the rookie uh, touchdown record for tight ends, got 12 touchdowns in his rookie year, um, you know, before the Super Bowl era began playing in Chicago as a, you know, a dominant physical force. Now, a guy that only averaged like 25 yards per game in his career, but nonetheless still was able to dominate the field in, uh, you know, in so many ways there in Chicago. He also reminds me a lot of Jackie Smith, you know, unfortunately for Jackie, he's most remembered for being, oh, my God, he must be the sickest man on earth right now for dropping that wide-open touchdown pass in the Super Bowl uh, that they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, he also reminds me, uh, you know, a lot of, of uh, you know, I don't, I don't want, not like a John Mackey type, but more kind of like a, uh, I guess like a Dave Casper, I think would probably be the other comparison. You know, Dave was huge. Dave was like 255 pounds. I actually know Dave's brother. Uh, he lives here in the Valley. I've, I've known his brother for a long, long time. And uh, he and I have, have talked a lot about Dave Casper. And Casper was just absolutely incredible. We'll talk about him uh, coming up later in the show as well because I will begin to have the discussion about, you know, what what is the qualifications for being the greatest tight end of all time because really – there are two. It, it's it's unique, right? Like it is. It is a unique position. It is it is maybe the most unique position in all of football, because you are not only graded on what kind of a pass catcher you are, but what kind of an offensive lineman you are as well. And certain tight ends have played one side of you know one side of that uh, of, of of you know of that comparison, where either you're strictly a pass catching tight end, like a Kellen Winslow or so, uh, even a Travis Kelsey who. <clears throat> Has you know does play on the on the end of the line some and does get some blocking in there, but he's not known to be 
a great run blocker, uh, not known to be a guy who is, you know, works even in pass pro uh, at times. So there's that guy, and then there's the other, you know, the other side of the guys, guys who are just in there for blocking tight ends. They're not great pass catchers. They don't have the speed, the catch radius, the hands, whatever have you. And then there are guys who bridge the gap, the guys who play both extremely well, and Gronk is certainly one of those guys, and we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later in the show. Phoenix Suns have been in the news a lot lately because of the saga with DeAndre Ayton. What are they going to do uh, in regards to whether they pay him or not, whether they give him max contract, whether they match a, a deal from another team in a restricted free agency scenario? Is it a sign-and-trade kind of situation? All of those have been in play. And yesterday, the rumors got completely – I shouldn't say even yesterday. Monday, like Monday afternoon, uh, the, 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 the rumors – got completely out of hand. I mean, just, I mean, ridiculously out of control. There were people out there who were inferring, pardon me, that DeAndre Ayton was going to be traded to the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant. What? Like, like there were people who actually believed this, that, that the Suns were going to be trading DeAndre Ayton for Kevin Durant. And there were people going to you know the social medias and talking heads on the air and all this other stuff and and journalists putting out clickbait type uh, uh, you know headlines out there on the social medias and such and you know all this and then people are like oh I, you know I I don't know about thirty four year old Kevin Durant what has he done he won two championships with the Warriors and then he's been you know he's been garbage ever since even when he played with talented players in OKC there in their prime and yada 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 and my response the entire time is if you actually believe, if you actually believe that there would be a trade in the NBA where DeAndre Ayton is traded straight up for Kevin Durant, you need to delete every single social media account you have. Just delete them. Period. Delete. Get off. You are, there's something wrong with you. Like you have no idea what you're doing in life. If you actually believed that, I saw I saw somebody yesterday post. I still can't believe that that Suns fans would rather have DeAndre Ayton than Kevin Durant. And I'm like, is that is that the proposed the proposed trade? Because first of all, the money doesn't work. It's not even close. The NBA would be like, uh, yeah, you're about twenty percent off on salary here uh, of the of the you know required salary. It would take a handful of Suns players to be traded to Brooklyn to bring over Kevin Durant. Da being one of them, yes. But it would also be Cam Johnson. It would be, I mean, there would be, you know, probably four or five players involved in that trade and probably a third team even. So, like, <laughs> this is not fantasy world, folks. You can't just trade one player for another. That's not how this works. I, I just, I was, I was like, sh- I was shocked. I was like, I was, it's one of those situations where you've been in pain so badly, like you get hurt so bad that you start laughing and people are like, this guy's a psychopath. Like, that's how I was the last two days, like reading this crap. Like, what, on what earth are you living? In what multiverse did Dr. Strange suck you into where you actually believe that DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant would be a one-for-one deal? Stop. Like, just, like, you don't know what you're doing. And I, I, I feel bad for the people who eat this crap up, too. I'm just like, I, I mean, you know, some people are, 
are, you know, and it's not your fault. Naivete is not always your fault, right? Like if you're, if you're naive to something, you're inexperienced. You are, you know, you haven't been uh, duped in certain ways. I mean, it's not, it's not always your fault. Sometimes naivete is, but for the most part, I think that naivete is just a, a lack of, of, of experience. It's different from ignorance, right? Ignorance is kind of like refusing to accept. I don't want to use that word. I don't like that word. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a word you throw out rarely, in my opinion. I don't, I don't like using that word. But I, I just, I, I was laughing. I'm like, but people are actually, like, pounding, you know, the drum about this. Like, oh, it's, it's a DA for a KD trade. Like, no, no, not, not even close. Sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, there are other deals that are out there that are potential for the Phoenix Suns. They, they, you know, they could look to bring Eric Gordon back from, uh, uh, where is he, in Houston? From the Rockets, they could be looking to bring in uh, Eric Gordon here. To, I shouldn't say back. They're looking to bring Eric Gordon into the Phoenix Suns. I mean, that's certainly someone who, you know, would fit their, you know, their kind of model with the amount of money that he makes. Now, I know that a lot of people are upset that, that Cam Johnson's name keeps getting floated out there and certain journalists continue to float his name out there. But I can tell you that the Phoenix Suns have no interest in trading him, at least in, in, you know, in this scenario. They don't have any interest in trading him to the New Orleans Pelicans. That was, what was it reported by, was it, was it Jonathan Giveney yesterday or the day before that reported that, that the Suns were in discussion with the New Orleans Pelicans to trade Cam Johnson for the number eight overall pick, first of all, that is the sweetest-ass deal if you're the New Orleans Pelicans. Like, yes, please, we will absolutely take that. Imagine being able to draft Cam Johnson this year with the number eight pick. You would, you would run to the podium with that card in your hand. Here. So, yeah, that's a sweet deal for the New Orleans Pelicans. Cam Johnson gives them everything they need. He's one of the best shooters in the entire league going to a team who was the worst shooting team in the league, who – Pushed the you know the former or the the reigning Western Conference champs at the time to the brink in the first round of the playoffs as a play-in team. So yeah, yeah that's a that's a great deal for the New Orleans Pelicans and for the Suns. And yes, I know that Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns have a history of doing this, of dumping potential franchise-altering players because they need money or tax relief. And the Phoenix Suns did pay the luxury tax this past season for the first time in eleven years. Yeah, I, I get all that. It, you know, it, it, it certainly stings the wallet a little bit. And to not get to the finish line this year stings even worse because now you've got to write that check for a season that didn't produce the fruit that you were expecting to get that year. Hey, you know what? Sometimes in, in, you know, in farming, you don't always get the return on investment. That's just kind of the way it is. Market fluctuates, you know, crops uh, you know, don't come in. The soil was, you know, was a little off that year. Maybe you used the wrong mixture of, uh, you know, of, of whatever. You know, maybe the, the pests were even worse this year. The weather was bad. You had a, you had a cold snap come through. So, yeah, it, like, you know, stuff happens, right? I mean, we talked about on Monday where it, it does take a, a, a little bit of luck to win a championship in a professional league, or win a championship anywhere for that matter. It takes a little bit of luck. I mean, certain things do have to go your way at times if you're not the most dominant, ridiculously overwhelming juggernaut of a team, then, yeah, some things have to break your way. Some things, sometimes you need a little little help from Lady Luck. 
And I, 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 look, I still am a firm believer that you make your own luck, but every once in a while, sure, things that are out of your control occur, and you're able to take advantage of those. But you don't have to take advantage of the situation. You know, no one's just going to throw up a horseshoe on the ground and be like, well, there you go. There's your, uh, your ticket to the trophy. You can just sit back and let it come to you now. You're going to go get it. So I, I, I still believe that, that the Phoenix Suns are going to make some moves around and, you know, in, in the preseason, and it, it, it may potentially, you know, change the makeup of whether it be the starting lineup or the immediate bench roster, guys that are six, you know, six, seven roster guys, first, you know, one and two off the bench. It may potentially involve those players, but it's not going to be DeAndre Ayton going to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant, and it's not going to be Cam Johnson going to New Orleans for the number eight overall pick. It, I mean, again, I'm not saying that trades are out of the question, that the Suns are not trading either of those guys, because certainly those are all potential possibilities. We've talked about it for weeks now, that this, these are all potentially you know, situations for Sarver, James Jones, and the Suns. But those two scenarios that are being reported and being talked about, not happening, okay? <laughs> so let, let's figure out something else. Let's, let's sit down and like really think about it. And instead of just throwing darts at a dartboard and playing fantasy GM, and, and I'm, not, I'm not chastising the fans for this. I'm chastising journalists for this because they're the ones that are stirring the pot. It, and I, like, I don't blame Jonathan Giveney. If, if he spoke with the people at the, at, you know, at, at the Pelicans, if he spoke with, uh, with members of their, of their front staff and said, you know, if, that, if a staff member had said to him, say, we would love to talk with Phoenix about Cam Johnson and we would be open, open to discussing those types, uh, you know, a scenario where we would acquire Cam Johnson for the number eight overall pick. And then he goes and says, you know, potential trade Cam Johnson for number eight overall pick. That's being somewhat irresponsible. But it's maybe you know it's not untrue for that you know for that sense. But to say that you know the Suns are shopping Cam Johnson for the a number eight overall pick for a lottery pick, I don't know. no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm still upset at the Suns for not playing Cam Johnson. I'm upset at the Suns for not starting Cam Johnson in that series against Dallas. He would have been a lot more impactful in those games than Jay Crowder was. Hell, he'd have been more impactful in the New Orleans series. I think he at least could have bodied up. Uh, Brandon Ingram gotten in front of him, used his footwork to get in front of him. He was certainly more athletic than Jay Crowder was. Mr. Olay, uh, Matador with his red cape hanging out there, just waiting for Brandon Ingram to blow through it to the basket. He certainly would have been a better option than, than Jay in that situation. So, look, I still, and I again, I had this conversation on Monday with, uh, with a buddy of mine who's a, a very, very well- uh, respected member of the media here who uh, is is around the Phoenix Suns all the time and has grown up a Phoenix Suns fan uh, here in the Valley. You know, I, I the more I think about it, the more I blame Monty Williams for everything that happened. You know, I mean, I wanted, and I think a lot of people wanted, Aaron Holiday to play more minutes in the, uh, in the postseason. He didn't get minutes. I mean, they acquired him for a playoff run, and then he played, what, like nine minutes in the entire postseason? Get out of here. Like, what, why did you why did you bring him in? And I'm not saying that I know better than than Monty Williams, but something happened. Like something happened in that in that locker room, on that bench, on that sideline, and Monty stuck to his guns. 
and it upset some of the players. And I think that, you know, the players that have been, I guess, less vocal about it, the players who have been, you know, I guess, you know, quiet for the most part about it, I think were the ones who were least affected because they were the ones who benefited from those decisions. Well, in the end, nobody benefited because they were sitting at home for two series watching the rest of the playoffs for what seemed like two months after they got eliminated. So I still, you know, I don't, I don't put all of the blame on, on Monty Williams, but there are certain, certain areas and, and a lot of missteps that were made specifically in personnel and lineup decisions uh, that, that belong heavily squarely on his shoulders. And I'm not like, I'm not saying that Chris Paul, uh, you know, should be excused from his absence after he turned 37 in the playoffs because he was just flat out awful after his birthday, which is weird, weird coincidence. He was just bad. And Devin Booker just didn't really have the impact that you would expect a super max player to have in a postseason uh, a postseason series. There was a lot of problems there. And D.A., I mean, really, you know, let, let's call it like it is, game six or uh, game seven of that series just quit. He's, he's like, I'm done. And he was upset. So... We'll continue to talk Phoenix Suns. Uh, if anything comes about, I'll make sure that I have uh, have that for you. But I don't see anything happening today. Uh, if, if something does happen, I expect if, if it will most likely happen tomorrow uh, at some point during the NBA draft. And we'll be talking about the NBA draft on the show tomorrow as well, of course, because you know, there's a possibility that the, that the, the, the Wildcats, that Tommy Lloyd's team, could get three players into that first round. I still think that Christian Coloco is going to surprise some people. And I think, I think he may be a surprise pick. You know, in the top 30, you know, between 28 and 32. I think there's a team that could say, you know what? We recognize his his rapid rise and his growth over the last two years, and we expect that to continue for another two years, and we can turn him into the player that we want to. Use his athleticism and his, you know, his quickness and his shooting ability and all this other stuff, and we can turn him into a real, a real talent. I, I think some team will. I, I honestly do. I really think that. I think I think he's too he's too athletic and too there's too much potential there for for somebody to just ignore him and let him drop into the 40s. All right, it is 7:25 on your uh, Wednesday morning. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show. When we return, Gronk has announced his retirement. Will he stay retired? That's a discussion for another day. But what is his legacy in the NFL? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Man, sad news out of uh, of the NFL today. Baltimore Ravens outside linebacker Jalen Ferguson, just 26 years old. Uh, was pronounced dead uh, this morning uh, in Baltimore as the uh, Baltimore City Police Department said it will be classified as an open, questionable death investigation until a cause of death is determined. The uh, Ravens said in a team statement, we are profoundly saddened by the tragic passing of Jalen Ferguson. He was a kind, respectful young man with a big smile and infectious personality. We express our heartfelt condolences to, condolences to Jalen's family and friends as we mourn a life lost much too soon. Uh, he was a third-round pick in 2019 and still holds the distinction 
of having the most career sacks in college football, F- FBS college football. Um, he was uh, nicknamed at Louisiana Tech. He was nicknamed the Sack Daddy. He was he was unstoppable at, at Louisiana Tech. I remember watching him. Um, just a really really uh, impressive player. Had forty five career sacks with with uh, La Tech uh, in his three years there, and uh, was having a uh, you know a, a young growing NFL career. Sixty seven tackles, four and a half sacks in his three seasons with Baltimore. Uh, just a you know very unfortunate news out of the NFL. A lot of a lot of unfortunate news this offseason, man. Guys that are involved in stuff that are that are just dying too young. You know, this is uh, this is you know, I, I I I hate having to report these all the time. I mean, it just it just it just sucks to be able to you know talk sports and things like that is a, is a blessing. But you know, a lot of times these young men and you know whether he got involved in something that you know, was something that he shouldn't have been doing or if he was just the, you know, the targeted victim of, you know, whatever, whatever it happened to be, regardless of it all, it is tragic and a life gone too soon is, uh, is Jalen Ferguson. So, so we'll, uh, well, you know, again, these, you know, these things continue to, uh, to happen. We'll continue to report on them because it is the news nonetheless. And, uh, we are sports news here at ESPN Tucson. Um, real quick, the before I get into the whole Gronk thing because it's a long discussion and I only had a few minutes here. Arizona Stadium, the a picture got leaked of the new turf at Arizona Stadium that's coming up this year. Uh, look, you know, upon first glance at it, it certainly it looks nice. It looks fresh. It's uh, uh, it was still being laid out and everything like that. Um, it was it's certainly nice to see uh, you know a fresh fresh green color as opposed to some of the dead spots that we were seeing you know on the on the uh, on the field turf from the time when uh, when when Richrod had it installed whatever it was 10 years ago or so it was starting to show a little wear and tear and needed to be replaced uh there has been there was some discussion on Twitter yesterday about the font that was used on the yard line indicators the yard uh, you know the yard numbers I like it it's a smaller more italicized type of font but I think it looks good. It doesn't look out of place. It certainly doesn't look traditional. Um, it's not the traditional huge block, you know, type NFL, uh, you know, type of of of, uh, of font. But I'm fine with that. Um, the end zone looks exactly the same to me. From what I saw, the, the letters were all out of place and stuff because it hadn't been laid out properly uh, at the time that the picture was taken. But I thought that you know the, the font looked good. It says. Arizona on the north end zone, Wildcats in the south end zone, just like it always did, and I think it's you know it looked it looked good, but it's nice. It's going to be nice to have fresh turf laid down with a fresh foundation uh, for those guys to go out and run around on and play on, and I think it'll certainly help. Uh, interesting enough, yesterday also I noticed somebody had pointed out to me they're like, man, the the first week of of college football uh, odds are out. I'm like, what? What? That doesn't happen this often, like this early. I, I can't believe it. It's just the influence of sports betting has become so big that they're I mean, look. They're trying to cash in as quickly as they can. So Vegas has put out odds on the first week of college football. They put out odds on the first two weeks of the NFL. You can bet NFL games already. Games. Uh, and I looked just quickly went and looked up Arizona and uh, the Wildcats are a plus five underdog at San Diego State to open up the season. So. Uh, Take from that what you will. Um, you know, if you're if you're someone who likes to dabble a little bit, then uh, maybe look into that. I I think this team is going to surprise some people, um, and I'm not the only one. 
<laughs> there are national media members. Uh, what was it? Who was – I can't remember who it was. A national guy, CBS guy that's been writing for, for CBS and doing college football for them for uh, – uh, Fornelli, that's who it was, Pete Fornelli. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, Pete Fornelli, two days ago, I think, put together a graphic of the amount of wins versus the amount of yardage they were plus-minus on the season. And Arizona, he said – he claimed Arizona is the greatest one-win football team of all time because – even though they only won one game, they outgained their opponents, which is more than you can say for teams that had a lot more wins than the Wildcats did last year. Uh, I, I, I look, I'm, I'm I'm always optimistic, and, and look, I, that's just kind of how I'm known, you know, around uh, you know around the circuit. Um, if people need an optimistic outlook on Arizona football or even Arizona basketball for that matter, they call me for interviews. They're like, we need optimism today. We're going to call Jeff Dean. Uh, it's just kind of the way I've always been. I just prefer to be optimistic. Not, and I don't think I'm out of bounds. I, I you know, last year I, I, before the Wildcats football season began, I said, "Look, it's going to be a struggle to win one game this year for the Wildcats." I said that on, on many occasions, but I can always find good things. Well, I, I shouldn't say I can always find good things. I didn't find anything good going into the third season of the Kevin Summon era. That's for sure. Uh, but I can always find some kind of a silver lining, even regardless of how dark the cloud may be. But uh, I think this is going to be. A, a, a good season for Arizona football. I don't think it's going to result in a bowl game, but I do think that they are going to surprise some people, and I think they're going to they're going to give San Diego State hell in that first week. I really do. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk about a former Arizona Wildcat and his legacy on the NFL. That's next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. The things you learn in talking to someone for 10 seconds. I mean, really. Like, I literally just found out that Mary, our esteemed producer here on the Jeff Dean Show, is a big fan of Skyrim, the like the video game. I had no idea. And the game's been out forever. I played... I played Skyrim like I played every type of character you could possibly have, played every single way. I had most so much fun playing that damn game. I had no idea. Did, been working with Mary for, well, we've been working together at the same station for years. Jeez. Find things out in like 10 seconds talking to somebody. Just got to ask one question, and all of a sudden, like, poof. Find things out. Rob Gronkowski announces his retirement again from the NFL. I think we all kind of felt like the first one was just like he he was retiring so that he could get out of, you know, reporting to uh, Patriots camp and finding where Tom Brady went, and then he just followed Tom to Tampa Bay, and there was no real <laughs> – I don't think anybody was surprised by what happened there. He catches two touchdowns in the Super Bowl and win. I mean, everything was, uh, was hunky-dory. Last year had some injury problems, didn't play the whole season, whatever. Now he's announcing his retirement once again. And, and he, he he did the social media walk yesterday. I mean, he was all over social media. He posted the picture, you know, goodbye and the retirement and all this other stuff and the professional-looking graphics. And he was retweeting a bunch of stuff, you know, uh, former teammates and current teammates and coaches and media and things like that and retweeting and like, hey, thank you and thanking them for – you know, saying kind words about him and stuff, and there were plenty of his teammates that were giving him some crap, you know, like if you retire, if you come back, I swear to God, I'm not going to celebrate your third retirement and all this other kind of stuff. A lot of fun stuff being made out there, but that's that's 
what Gronk brings with him, right? He's, he's a, the, one of the f- most fun guys ever. And it's also a discussion that could be had. I mean, look, I could talk about Rob Gronkowski for two hours. I could have done the entire show on Gronk today because I know the family pretty well. Um, <laughs> I could talk about Gronk for two hours. I, it would be easy for me to do that. I'm not going to do that, of course. Even though he is one of our own. We get to watch him play at Arizona Stadium there. But I want to talk about his legacy in the NFL. Regardless of the fact that, you know, there's a discussion that can be had, is he the most likable player of all time? That can be that can be discussed another day. And, I, and probably something that Spears and Ali are probably going to discuss today on their show as well from 3 to 6. But is he the best tight end of all time? And it's 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 a discussion that seriously needs to be made. I mean, there, there are very serious discussions. When, when you say best running back of all time, best wide receiver of all time, you don't need to have a discussion on that one because everybody knows it's Jerry Rice. But when you talk about best running back of all time, best quarterback of all time, there are still people that, you know, want to, to you know, honk the horn like Bart Scott did. We talked about it Monday for Peyton Manning. There are people that, that believe that Marino was the best quarterback, still people that hang on to the fact that Joe Montana is probably the best quarterback of all time. And you, there's, a, there's a lot of different opinions. You get, the, you, get, you get the old guys out there like Johnny Unitas with a ran throwing circles around those guys. Still get those guys out there as well. But the discussion for best tight end of all time really takes a lot I- into it because you ha- there is, it's, it is, in my opinion, the most unique position in the sport, the tight end position. Because of where you line up, your responsibilities, the things that you are supposed to do. I mean, you, you, you basically are, are asked to control the middle of the field, which is the most clogged and contested section of a football field, which is the middle of the field. And if you can dominate the middle of the field, you win. There are very few players in the history of this game who have been able to do that. We, we, when you talk about great wide receivers – the list is 40 names long, 50 names long, 60 names long. Hell, there are 15 great receivers and guys that I would label as great or potentially great, guys that showed up in their first year that have the potential to be great in the league right now, 15 of them. How many great tight ends are in the league right now? Two? <laughs> I mean, you look at the great list of tight ends. There's 12 names on the list. Like, maybe maybe you can stretch it to 15. Maybe. But I doubt it. You'll, you'll get a lot, of, a lot of pushback on that one. If you look at Gronk's career, you just look at, it, just look at the numbers, just the stats, okay? He's 10th all-time in receptions. He's 5th all-time in yards. He's 2nd all-time in yards per catch. 2nd all-time in yards per game. 3rd in touchdowns scored. First in Super Bowl rings at four of them. And he's 18th in games played. Wait, 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 wait. wait. We, we only read it. What? He's 18th in the NFL in, at, at the position in games played, yet he's top five in all those other categories, top 10 in receptions? Yes. He played 143 games in his career. Take, for instance, Tony Gonzalez, who many people consider to be the greatest tight end of all time. Hard to argue. Played 270 games in his career. 270 in his career. Jason Witten played 271. Antonio Gates was 40 when he retired. Played in 236 games. 
Jackie Smith, 210. Benjamin Watson, 205 games. Vernon Davis, 198 games. Ozzie Newsom, 198 games. Shannon Sharp, 188 games. All, you know, all great names. Mike Ditka played in more games than, than Rob Gronkowski did. I did a little extrapolation of, of, of statistics here. And what I did is I took his averages per game, and I said if Gronk had played 200 games in his career, okay, that would still put him 70 games behind uh, Gonzo, 36 games behind Antonio Gates. Okay, those are the two statistical leaders all time in, uh, in, in, at the tight end position, right? So if Gronk had just played in 200 games in his career, he would be fourth in receptions, okay? He would be second in yards behind Gonzo, 25 yards behind Tony Gonzalez, 25. And he would be far and away first in touchdowns. He'd have like 18 more touchdowns than Antonio Gates did if he had played in 200 games. Now, Gronk, you, you know, I say it on the show all the time, the best ability is availability, and it's true. Uh, you know, having injuries, uh, he was suspended once. I mean, you know, you know, he has certainly uh, managed his time well in the NFL, playing in only 143 games and having all these great accolades. But if you look at just the sheer per-game numbers and his impact on the league that way, and if you look at if he had played and, and you know stayed healthy, been able to stay healthy with the back and the leg and the shoulder and the pec uh, you know, injury that he had and other numerous neck injuries that he had, uh, concussions, all kinds of other things that he had. You know, if he had played 200 games in his career, we would. Th- this would not even be a discussion today, like whether he's the greatest of all time or not. This wouldn't even be a discussion. Then you look at his postseason stats. Dude has played in 21 postseason games, which is, it, it, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good number, right? I mean, 21 postseason games that's a lot, considering the length of his career. He scored 15 touchdowns in the postseason, which is second all-time only to Jerry Rice. No one will ever catch Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice had 22 touchdowns in the postseason in his career, 29 games. Ridiculous number. He scored five touchdowns in the Super Bowls that he played in, 29 catches for 364 yards, which are far and away the best numbers for any tight end in NFL history. Now, granted, you got to get there in the first place to be able to you know, put up numbers in the Super Bowl. His Super Bowl numbers are off the charts good when compared to other tight ends. Like, nobody's even close. It's weird because you would think that all these great tight ends would have played in a lot of Super Bowls. They haven't. They, I mean, they really haven't. Shannon Sharp played, he, he won two Super Bowls, and I think he caught four passes in those two games. Like, he just wasn't a feature of the offense. And Shannon Sharp, to his credit, at six foot two and 220 pounds, he was diminutive in size compared to Gronk, who's 6'6", 260, was a great blocker. Great blocker in his career, but one of the most underrated blockers at that position in in the history of the game. Shannon Sharp was greatest crash talker for sure, <laughs> but not the best pass catcher. People think, oh, Shannon Sharp, but no, he really wasn't. Like he he put up good numbers. He's a phenomenal athlete, but he wasn't great in the postseason. Didn't have great numbers in the Super Bowl. Why is that? What was? Gronk's influence on Tom Brady. I mean, most people consider Tom Brady to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Why is that? Like, I mean, is it is it because he had all these flashy wide receivers to throw the football to? No. He had one constant over the final 13 years of his career. 
That's the guy we're talking about now. And the guy we're going to talk about next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to The Jeff Dean Show, talking uh, Gronk and his retirement here. I think what a lot of people, when, when people say, you know, is Gronk the best of all time, a lot of times the argument goes to, well, it's, it's easy when you have Tom Brady throwing, throwing the football to you. You're right, it is. I mean, Tom Brady, certainly, if not the greatest, one of the greatest of all time at the position. However, what was the effect that Gronk had on Tom Brady? And Tom, I think, would be the first person to admit that he wouldn't have been the same. His career path would not have been the same without Rob Gronkowski when he came into the league in 2010. Because you look at Brady's numbers, and you look at the effect that Gronk had on Brady's career and on the the Patriots and just the way that they were able to, you know, essentially I think they scored. I think over time it was like 3.7 extra points per game, 3.7 points per game more when Gronk was on the field than when he wasn't. Tom Brady's, like his passing stats, though, like crazy. If you there was a, a statistical breakdown. This this was done by um, I can't remember what which stats you know, outlet it was, Stat Muse or something like that. Anyway, they did basically an extrapolation. If, if they did like a like a sixteen game average uh, per season or whatever, what Tom Brady's season would look like with Gronkowski without Gronkowski, the numbers are insane. Like. It is it's it's night and day difference. First of all, his completion percentage drops by nearly seven percent. His yards passing per game drops by a full yard. His yards per game drops by thirty. His touchdown to interception ratio, it like it's not even like so without without Gronk in the forty eight games that he played, he threw eighty three touchdowns, twenty nine picks. With Gronk in one hundred and forty. The 141 games in uh, uh, in uh, you know regular uh, well yeah 141 here because Gronk played with Garoppolo twice uh, he 316 touchdowns 75 interceptions like the ratio goes from two to one to four to one touchdown interception ratio his sack percentage goes way up as well he was sacked on I believe one out of every 19 dropbacks with Gronk and or. Yeah, one out of every 19 with Gronk and, like, one out of 13 without Gronk. And his quarterback rating drops by 17 points without Gronkowski. Now, on average, if you look at Brady over a 16-game season with Gronk, 39 of 590, 392 of 599, 4,703 passing yards, 36 touchdowns, 8 picks. Without him, 379 uh, completions. 4,373 yards, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's a 16-game average with and without. The, the numbers are astounding. And in a report that was done in 2016, they talk about Gronkowski's effect on the running game. We'll talk about that and a whole lot of other effects that he had on the game of football coming up in our number two. We're still rolling along here on the Jeff Dean Show. Just a quick little two-minute break. We'll come back here in hour number two, talk some more NFL, some more Gronk for you. We'll throw it to ESPN for a Sports Center update. We'll be right back. 
right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. K285DL 1049 FM Tucson. And KMXC HD4 Tucson.